Hello out there, Foxes fans, and welcome back to another edition of the U.S. Foxes podcast coming to you live from various places around the United States. I'm Matt Folks. I'm coming to you live from San Diego, California. I've got Chris and Jason with me. Chris is a little bit further north off the coast here in uh, Del Mar, and Jason is coming to us live from beautiful New York City. Jason, how are you, my friend? Doing all right. We actually have a little bit of like SoCal weather over here. The humid, no humidity in New York, which is like happens two days of summer uh, and happened to happen this weekend. So uh, really took advantage of that by what by spending the day in a basement in New York City watching the watching the game yesterday. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, we got nasty humidity here, dude. How you doing, Chris? Yeah, not too bad, buddy. Not too bad. It's uh, It's been a couple of busy days for the both of us back and forth to the blue foot so uh yeah it's nice nice to be able to sit with you guys and talk a little bit of leicester this sunday afternoon yeah back and forth that's like a perfect analogy for what that game was i mean it seemed like you know we got to a spot i don't even know we'll get into it but i mean what a, what a crazy day when you have Arteta looking like his normal bond villain self and then brendan comes out in like this tight black polo looking like a recent divorcee that's like trying to show off his guns like it was a strange day all around mate Um, this weekend has been the muscle shirt manager weekend hasn't it if you look (laughs) yeah that game you had today with tuchel and uh, conte both in them as well it's been i don't know what the memo was for out from the league but it has definitely been muscle shirt the muscle shirt weekend for the managers turned into a little mma match too uh over there and uh that was crazy that was crazy i suppose though like that's the kind of fight you want to see from uh your manager uh i what would brendan have done in that situation like (laughs) i know he's there are some clips of him out there with boxing gloves on so he might be able to throw throw a good left hook yeah dude's like kilimanjaro so (laughs) what else is possible uh Guys, we went into uh, a match yesterday. I, you know, I, I'd be lying if I thought we were going to get anything. I, I would have been thrilled with a draw. Um, you know, Arsenal have looked really good, both on the field and actually off the field, making transfers and things that we haven't seen them doing for years now that they, uh, that the American owners are now fully in control of the club, the Kroenke family. So, um, they're they're dangerous. We knew Jesus was going to be nasty, and man, sure enough, Chris, the dude looks like he could be a, a, yellow, a golden boot winner this year. Yeah, it was in. It was one of those signings in the summer that um, I was kind of on the fence with. I thought he was okay at City, but I didn't necessarily think that he was the sort of guy that I thought would lead the line and be that thirty-five goal a season striker that you need for in the Premier League, but. I mean, he he played exceptionally well yesterday. Uh, to be honest, he could have had three, four in the first half alone. He only got two, but um, we we just he would. I think one of the problems we had was that he's he's got strength on that. I think at that moment with Johnny Evans in the first half, where he almost just shrugged off Evans and threw him to the floor and should have scored. To be honest, but yeah, he was really good, Matt. I thought him. Uh, to be honest, I thought the Arsenal team in general were a lot. You could see how Arteta has grown that team and they were strong. And I think they are, they might not be a top four side now, but they're definitely going to push for a top four place uh, towards the end of the season. I think. They actually look like an actual Arsenal team that we remember from like an actual Arsenal team, Jason, right? Yeah, they do. Um, They've got quality all over the pitch. Uh, Jesus was, uh, was lethal yesterday, but not just in his finishing, but the way he plays across that front line, 
and you know talk about him and going one-on-one with Evans and the way he was able to drag him all the way out to the touchline or you know get that space and, and get that separation uh when the long balls came through he looked fantastic they've got you know Zinchenko who's like the Swiss army knife of a, of a player you could put him anywhere okay. on the pitch and he's going to do well he looked great Saliba gave us a little gift but he looks like you know the player that Arsenal thought they were they were getting when they signed him uh, a couple of years ago um, yeah, and they're prob- I would imagine Arsenal still are in the market for even more improvements. So um, they, they're really taking care of business well, like you said, on and, on and off the pitch. So it was always going to be a tough one. Um, but it did kind of feel like uh, maybe this could turn into a classic. You know, the hope was there, and, and then it just you know kind of fizzled out for us. It's weird. Like, how hot was it there yesterday, Chris? Do we know? Like, do we know the actual number? Can you – and can – Let's give us in Fahrenheit, please, for our American listeners. I uh, what at, at the at the Blue Foot? No, no, on the field in North London. Any idea? I, I think some people. <laughs> oh, were talking... yeah, t- yeah. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. I've got you were talking numbers. Sorry, mate. Uh, yeah. It well, they said it was about thirty-five degrees Celsius pitch side. So what's that? Uh, high eighties, low nineties. So it was hot. It was. Yeah. Wow. It was really hot. I know they're getting a lot of stick for these hydration breaks, but that's damn hot. I mean, for North London, that's damn hot. Yeah. Like, um, I I think, you know, it was good to see that. And and you saw it across Europe, too. Um, So it's good. I I like that the the rules were consistent with uh, what was happening across the continent during during the heat wave. And, um, yeah. But Arsenal really did take advantage of those breaks though you could see like they came out r- very strong after those fiber hydration breaks so um, uh, something was in those water bottles <laughs> it's definitely going to be like it's another you know tactic that you can take advantage of as a team you know being able to use that nice little break it's it's literally maybe we won't see i'm sure we'll still see the days of crumpled up notes being sent onto the pitch but the fact that the manager now guys will have a quick break is you know at least while the weather is is doing that but yeah it was it, it was uh it was an interesting thing that he is usually an equalizer of teams but or it's an, a way to see which team really has the quality to to push through things like that chris when the first half starts um it's kind of bouncing back and forth and really the first main event is uh Wesley Fofana steps up and makes an interception, a world-class interception, um, makes a run, and this is the fourth minute. Um, Dude gets loose and literally has one of the easiest passes of all time to put through. After Vardy makes a nice back heel to him, he comes through, has a chance to lay it off to Madison to tap it in for a one nothing start, which would have you know, obviously changed a lot of things. Um, first of all, the play itself, holy shit. That is, I mean, why we've been raving about this guy for a center back, step up, make that kind of play and be able to accelerate, make a dummy move, get into the box and have a shot against an arsenal, mind you, uh, is kind of proving our point of why, you know, Chelsea can suck one with these cheap evaluations of him. Um, your thoughts on that. And then the, the, the fact that he doesn't pass, is he just trying to prove how valuable he is there? Because holy shit, if he does <laughs> score there, his stock goes through the roof but in fact he comes off looking a little selfish and kind of ruins play for himself your thoughts so uh, yeah uh Fafana had a very adventurous first half didn't he everything that Arsenal did in that first 20 minutes seemed to go down Martinelli in their left hand side so Fafana was constantly in the game you were the chance uh, okay I'm gonna I'm gonna defend him here 
and say that in that moment, I didn't even know if he saw Madison there, to be honest. I think if you're in that situation, you've cut inside onto your left foot, you're bearing down at goal. What is no more than 10 yards out. I think nine times out of 10, most players are going to take the shot there. So I'm going to defend him there. I think all in all, it was, I know Brendan talked about in the off season, this inverted fullback thing. I never expected to, to see little hybrid moments with Timmy Castagne and, and, and Fafana. At some points, Fafana was halfway up the pitch, the two thirds into the field and Castagne was having to drop back. It was, he was very lively and I, um, he had a good game. I think at times he he uh, he got done when he was too aggressive. Martinelli had that wise hat on and managed to. There was that moment where he got that yellow card for kind of just siding him down because he he got in too close and Martinelli had spun him. But yeah, in that moment, Matt, you're completely right. It was the one of those moments that if he just managed to look up and catch catch Madison at the corner of his eye, I think he would have squared it. But I just don't think he saw him at that moment in time. Definitely could have been tunnel vision. I mean, holy. Holy shit. After, you know, with every move, you're still kind of shocked that the ball's still at your feet, kind of. You're like, all right, all right, all right. So that makes sense. That makes sense. Jason, your thoughts, dude. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's hard to uh, hold it against a player for, for going for goal, you know, in that situation. It all happens so quickly. So, uh, and, and, you know, he's not in those situations very often as, as a defender. So, um, whereas a guy like Madison is, you know, in those situations multiple times a, a, a game has that experience knows where where a player is um and then also um it's interesting this is one thing i noticed yesterday throughout the game is that the arsenal team like they knew where their their teammates were uh they they had that formation kind of drilled into them they 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 didn't always have to look up and, and look for their teammates they were able to play the ball a lot faster than us and we're still playing a formation i think that the team isn't comfortable uh in yet and we keep kind of making changes and it adds that extra you know fraction of a second um onto any play that that our team is making uh because they're kind of trying to think of like you know well where's my player here and and i think that's where we're getting into kind of um a situation here where when you go up against any Premier League team, but especially like a team like Arsenal, you need to be able to, you know, know where your teammates are at all times. And you got to have that, that innate knowledge and um, teams need to be able to play a setup that they can, you know, go out and perform well, like in their sleep. And we're not really doing that. Um, and, and it shows when you play against a team like Arsenal, you you know, all, all the balls that that wind up in the back of your net. Yeah, they've they've got a they've got a team full of hungry players, man. I mean, whether you go down the list from Odegaard to Jesus to hell, even Arteta, everybody has something to prove, and you know they've all got things clicking in their heads that are all kind of coming through at the same time. Um, moving along there a little bit later in the around the twenty second minute, twenty third minute, uh, Jesus with uh, one of the most that was just an insane goal that's one where you just step back and you know i, I saw chatter about smichael would have saved that and i just had to say where on mars maybe because there's no keeper i mean outside of like somebody that's eight foot 11 that might have been able to tip that over the bar um no 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 fault on danny ward there we'll get to danny's faults later but um I, I, yeah what a beautiful finish what a beautiful that's a world-class finish so there's really nothing you could even say about that one chris 
No, completely agree, Matt. You're not going to save that. Um, if you want to fault any, if you want to fault anything, you have to ask how he got the ball in that area. The ball was on that right hand side, and a couple of quick passes managed to not get the ball inside to him in a position where you would think that maybe we could have had someone hang. Where was Undidi or someone like that buzzing in that area that may have just kind of intercepted that ball but the moment he got it in that corner he opened his body beautifully and the way it just curled into the far corner you're not no one's gonna save that you're completely right Matt it's just one of those well one nil down great goal chalk that up move on well unfortunately we don't get to move on I mean Jason anything you want to say about that one or just kind of hey yeah yeah i was gonna say if i were in a a cap like yours i would i would tip it to him uh (laughs) because that was just a freaking phenomenal goal obligatory tip of the cap yeah it um it it was beautiful so then going on uh and we we go back we talked last week about how proud we were the boys handling set pieces and uh sure enough uh arsenal pops one in on us in about the 35th minute and uh yeah Hopefully something's not rearing its head again. Are we waiting for the uh, specialist to get in, Jason? What's going on? Dude? I don't know. But, well, listen, if that if he did that on the attacking end, it would have been a perfect flick. So good to see that Vardy still has that in the bag. So let's just do it on the other end of the pitch uh, next time. Uh, it was kind of just an unlucky. He missed the header and then, you know, went to the mixer. And yeah, but but, you know, it's one of those things where sometimes the bounce goes your way, sometimes it doesn't. That's why you have to be really, really, you know, keyed on uh, on on these defensive set pieces. So hopefully, I mean, we did look better on them. I, I will say we are looking a bit better, but that was uh, that was just an unfortunate one. Chris? It was deja vu to the uh, the own goal from last season, wasn't it? Pretty much a yeah. carbon copy of that one, wasn't it? Yeah, completely with your one of those things you're gonna have when when teams are going to whip the ball into that near post just in front of the near post you've got runners coming across yeah if you mistime it in any way shape or form it's going to hit the top of your head and then at that point yeah whatever happens happens but you're right if it was either end of the pitch it would have been a great little flick to to the back or back post that's coming that's coming hopefully we'll see um you know, I think it's one of those situations where we it's it's just being bit at the wrong time, kind of like what you said, Jason. I mean, there's so many. It's one of those clusters. So it, I'm not I'm not too worried about it. It's not one of those complete breakdowns like we saw last season where everybody is lost and just looking yeah. around at each other after the goal. That's just a freak uh, yeah. tap in there. It, it's good to see that players are going out there and attacking the ball, which is what we really needed. And And Ward was doing that a bit, too. On, on those set pieces too, which is which is also encouraging. Yeah, Danny Ward, guys, William, we'll, let's get into him now. The guy had some incredible saves, some kick saves that were very reminiscent of a certain Danish keeper that we've loved for eleven years. Actually, that one that was a breakaway that he kicked, and you know the heel kick that was that's a great save, Jason. One like I said, where you see him. Yeah, yeah, his shot stopping was great. He he did pull out some some big saves for us. So um, this this game could have gotten out of hand uh, a lot sooner. Yeah, that's what I said when you know people were making the comment. I said without Danny Ward today, this they score six easily. They have six. Um, Chris, your thoughts on the Welshman? Yeah, I think it was good. I thought he um, first half especially. I thought his distribution was pretty strong. Um, he was always looking to be aggressive when he when he had the opportunity to get it out of his feet quickly and get it up the park. Um, I think the one that where uh, I think it was Jesus hit the post. 
Um, and it looked like a save on camera, but in reality, it hit the post. But he was in the right position. He was inside the post. There was no way the ball, even if it was if it was veering a little bit toward the goal, he was there to stop that. And like you said, Matt, I think he made a couple of good saves with his feet. Um, all in all, I think he was solid. I Yes, we'll talk about that moment, but that was about it from me. I think I would give him a, I would say he was not, he wasn't the reason why we lost that game. And I think he'll be, he'll be just, he'll be fine this season. I don't think in, by the end of this season, we'll be talking about Danny Ward as uh, one of the negatives on, on our season this year. No, and in this situation, when you've had somebody for as long as we had somebody, that's all you can really ask for is somebody to come in and not be the reason that we lose, right? Like make the important saves and all we need to do is get everybody else to do the rest of your jobs, right? If you can make those saves. Uh, now, when you have shot after shot after shot after shot coming at you, that, you know, increases the likelihood that there's going to be a mistake, which is why I think we saw such a dumb error from him, you know, where he goes out, he doesn't collect the ball. He kind of does like a palm down when he did make this, you know, speaking about later, jumping ahead a little bit here. Um, it's, it's, it's just one of those where you can see what he was thinking about doing, but where he found himself in the position of the players just kind of screwed him over. I think, um, yeah, I, I think he's going to be just fine. I'm not worried about Danny at all. Um, do you want to move on from him? Either you have uh, any other thoughts on him? Oh, we have a little bit more to cover later. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. On that. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, get into, I don't know, moving right in there. Vardy has a chance to shout. What do you think of the penalty option? Uh, Ramsdale takes him out. Um it's one of those uh, it looks really bad when you're watching it yeah. in you know full motion and then slowed down it's so real time to me it was a penalty like from it's well from that tv angle anyway it was a penalty it was of you vardy was going one direction ramsdale was trying to cut him a cut across doesn't get anywhere near the ball vardy goes down i think it, it it looked a penalty to me straight away i think it was one of those situations where the more angles you saw, the just the more you knew it was going to get turned over. Like that's yeah. that's the problem with VAR is when they when it goes into these twenty different replays of fifteen different angles, it's almost just setting it up for the decision to be turned over. So I wasn't surprised. I was a. I feel like this season there'll be a few of those that still get given. I don't. I think it's. I think it's borderline to me. I kind of I, ju I just think we'll look back at later this season and just see like there'll be a random game where one of those they don't overturn it and there's a penalty i think that that's kind of it's one of those it could be couldn't be situations what about you matt what do you think penalty no unfortunately oh, not okay. and if they're gonna if they're gonna use var um in that situation vardy so if you watch really slowly, he's calling for the penalty while he's still in the air. Like it's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. He's literally like yelling, he's shouting for it. And I don't know. And when you, when you get that many replays and like I said, when they do decide to go to VAR and we're Lester, so they picked the most obvious one. And if you could see what he was watching what the ref, you could, the camera angle showed what he was watching and they had picked the same one. They played it literally. You watched the same clip nine times. And I was like, they're not showing any other angles of this. They've already decided what the hell is going to happen here. So this is pointless to even argue, Jason. Yeah. Like, and also stop, like, stop wasting our time, man, by like sending the referee to go do the whole like song and dance and look at the monitor. Every time they do that, they're going with the decision in the booth. So, like, just cut it out already, right? Like, just it's just a waste of time. They're looking to over. The, the issue that I have, though, is um, 
I, the intent of VAR is not really, you know, what's like in the letter of the law, right? And so, oh, excuse me, but like the, 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 the intent is changing. And it, it looks like when something does go to, to VAR, they're looking for a reason to change the call instead of looking, you know, for reasons to, you know, affirm the call. And, you know, uh, you have to have clear, um, indisputable evidence, and we don't always have that. Um, so uh, the burden on VAR to, you know, overturn a call should be should be high, I think. And um, I don't know. I, I just feel like if there were some other strikers in the league um, in that same position, then the call would have stood. Oh, I don't don't get it twisted. I have no doubts about that. If that happens to Harry Kane, there's no VAR involved. There's nothing. It's a straight penalty. The fact you know, if that's Mohamed Salah, that it's it's done deal. But I mean, the fact of the matter is, we're it's us, and it's you know, I'm not going to get deep into the rabbit hole yet. But we were never getting that call in a billion years at the Emirates. I, we wouldn't even get that call at the KP. I, I think it sums it up, though. Did you see the smile that Vardy had? afterwards after it got turned over the camera kind of cut to him and he had that cheeky little grin on his face again like just like okay you got me this time he's but... a striker striker yeah. dude i mean but the guy's reputation like, I love it. He, he's very smart and these referees know that so unfortunately it probably a situation where he uh <laughs> he's his own worst enemy there i uh you know to to just over before we go any further but just an overarching point there there's two huge moments in that first half yes we're down two nil but if we just had the rub of the green the other way or like we talked about fafana had just squared it like it's two all at that but yes asked our chances but there were we i didn't just for leicester fans listening in general um yes going to arsenal's tough but we had chance. We we made chances this game. We did stuff. We were aggressive at the top end of the pitch at times. And I know we'll talk about this a little bit later. But I think some of the substitutions highlighted um, what we can do up that end of the pitch in terms of creativity and options. So I think as much as as much as it's a negative that we lost this game, I definitely think we we had chances to 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 try and do something in this game. Yeah, I agree that we had chances. I just do think that Arsenal had way more yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah they, they were definitely a better class i mean they're a different class and 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 i i love the positivity chris that's why you're my co-host i mean like that you're you find the golden fringe and there were bright spots you can't argue with you there um but the fact is we were definitely played off the pitch by these guys and and I, but i'm with you there there were some spots to be happy about one of the key words that you said was substitutions Brendan made some damn substitutions and look at this. We we have a chance and it's just I you know I hate looking backwards but my god to throw 3 points away like that at home because of just such a stupid thing. It's just it's mind numbing and I keep coming back to it at this point, boys. Yeah. Well, he did make substitutions, but he did wait a bit, right? So the 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 game plan wasn't working. We were gifted a goal. Uh, you know that own goal by by Saliba, right. but Arsenal really were still the better side, and something wasn't working. And we probably we maybe we could have made the change a little sooner. I think you get to a point where you're down two nil, you're down three one. What's the difference, right? If you lose five one, 
just go go for it like try to make something happen show a little bit of spirit or just you know try to try to make it entertaining at that point for the fans that had to cram into coach buses to to go lay down there in the heat do something because you, you whether you lose five one three one I mean, maybe it'll matter if you're in a relegation battle or if something's coming down to goal difference but at the end of the day it's a big fat zero points on the uh you know in the, in the points column which is the which is what ultimately matters so try to get something out of the game and, and go for you know i think a little sooner but we know that's not in rogers's playbook is it it's sort of like this is the guy who will he'll he'll have an excuse for pretty much everything and i i feel like he's one of those guys that i to your point i agree 100 percent with you we should have given it we, we should have done that but i feel like with rogers at times he would, he would, he would rather lose three-one and not be in it, in my opinion, than lose five-one. And we, we'd know ourselves that we had a good game of it. I just, I think Rogers sometimes is that has that mentality, and I, I think it's just we've never had any reason to see that he would do things like that in any of the time he's been Leicester manager. Yeah, I think it's fair. It's yeah. like fair assessment of of what we've seen. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're right back in the, in the game. Yeah. You no, know, we have an opportunity to, 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 you know, to close the gap. So, um, yeah. It's crazy. Like uh, this game every time. So we're at the blue foot and, uh, I told you guys last week, like it's an arsenal bar as well. And I, where were we outnumbered, Chris? Was it that a hundred there probably wouldn't you say? Yeah, pretty much had a huge following, huge following. And God bless San Diego Foxes. I think we got 10. Did we count? We got yeah, 10, 10 of us there. 10 of us, yeah. So I was really stoked yeah. about that. We had a good little show out, and I got there uh, right when the bar opened. I was there with Rodney open in the place and um, hung up the flag, and, and the Arsenal boys showed up about 20 minutes later, and they were quite surprised that I already claimed the center spot on the bar and also got the good flag position. Flag politics at uh, Bluefoot are a whole different thing. We'll get into that in some shows. It's pretty hilarious on who gets to hang what where, but – uh, we get set up there, and so we literally had the center sec. Literally, the best spot in the bar were ten of us surrounded by a hundred Arsenal fans, and it, it, you know they they get going, they score those goals, and and we finally get the one back off the own goal, and we start hyping up and singing our songs, and damn it, dude, what was it? Two minutes later, they get that rebound goal, and then you know matters pokes in his goal and uh, through the legs of Ramsdale, and I'm screaming about nutmeg. What an embarrassment, Ramsdale! I'm screaming this. And what is that one then? A minute and a half later, I'm getting screamed back at me, you know, Danny fucking Warbuck screaming in my face. So to say it was like, yeah, it's not great, Jason. Yeah, you got to stay switched on, right? And there was a difference. There was a mental difference in mentality between the two teams. Or Arsenal, you know, every time they made a mistake, they went for it and tried to make that up with a goal and really like attacked us and tried they took a shot they countered with a punch mm-hmm. you know um so they uh, I, I would that i was impressed by that i think Me that too. they showed you know a certain spirit too and just a, a certain just a commitment to just re- to winning there mm-hmm. and um uh, we didn't really have that um to get into some of these the goals um i think kalechi when he came on was the best player on the pitch. Um, he 
adds that kind of link up that we're missing we have these gaps between all the different all the lines and sometimes we have our when we play five in the back we, they all get sucked down and um and then the midfield is a little awkward because we're really playing kind of like four midfielders there uh, in the middle the spacing gets a little whacked out and players get bunched up and then Vardy's on an island um and bringing on Kalichi, he really kind of helps link up that play uh, a, a lot more. I don't think anyone thought he was going to make that cutback pass to Matters there. I think the, the, the whole stadium thought he's going to put it on his left foot, he's going to put his head down and try to, you know, roof one into the top uh, of, of the net. And he didn't. And he made a great pass. And, and he was a handful. Um, and then to give up a goal the way that we did right after – you know, it's just that is a what happens when you don't play week in and week out. And Danny Ward didn't have like a real full preseason. He was injured. He wasn't in games on a weekly basis. And so that focus is not necessarily going to be there for 90 minutes. And I think that's what we saw uh, on that play. He was just a little too comfortable a little too, you know, lax about that, where you need to make every play with with full commitment. And it doesn't matter what color shirt is in front of you. If you're a keeper and you're going for the ball, you've got to make sure you get that damn ball. And uh, and that's, you know, he'll, he'll hopefully, you know, learn from that and just see that, like, listen, it doesn't matter what's happening in the game. You need to be focused on 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 everything that you do. And um, I think that was just a symptom of, of being on the bench as long as he has. There were team. There are teams with strikers that he gets away with that, um, you know. But it was not going to be this Arsenal like you spoke of that were taking every goal that we scored personally. Like it was pissing them off. And woe for the days that Leicester's defense looked like that, where we got we used to get you know very angry, you know, when when our the Robert Hooths come to mind, you know, and even like Young Soyantu when we were ready for him to be a world beater when he put Christian Pulisic in his damn pocket on his debut and saved every American Leicester fan from having to watch that goal for eternity run on NBC sports. So I miss those days of that defense, man. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's never going to be a team like that 2016, you know, 2015, 2016 team. I think that was one thing that was really telling that season. So I had a little, night out with uh with christian fuchs uh that night not to name drop or, or be be that guy but we it was the day after that 3-1 win at man city and we were actually talking about that game for a bit and there was just something about the way he was speaking about that game and he was still angry about the aguero goal was, yeah this is pre-var aguero was definitely offside 100%. and then that like those guys took it personally. Like they wanted clean sheets and they did not want to give up goals. And even after a big win like that, top of the league, it's been a great At season. At the Etihad, like, yeah, he still was not satisfied with the full performance because that goal was given to. It felt like it was an injustice that that goal was given. And I loved it. I, that was one of the coolest things uh, uh, that I heard that season. Yeah, man, Chris, like, not even talking about that year, you look a little bit further, like, it just, there have been points where we've had young defenders, like Fafana, when 
now that his head's turned, he's not a shadow of what, you know, it's like, it's, it's frustrating because these guys, some of them, not Johnny Evans, obviously, but it's just like, God, to see that sort of personally taken, it's just, it's kind of frustrating. Yeah, Matt. So one thing that has kind of gone under the radar a little bit, but has been really worrying to me has been at the club, this notion around the vice captain and who the hell is the vice captain at this moment in time? Because we need leaders on the field in those moments. And it felt like, to your guys' points, we didn't have those leaders on the pitch at those moments in time that could be like, hey, boys, heads focus on. This next couple of minutes, this next five minutes, Arsenal are going to be all over us. They're going to be aggressive. They're going to want to get, like you guys have talked about, get that goal back, get that lead back, get that extend that lead. And in those moments, especially for the last two goals, it just, apart from Evans, like you said, it's like, who is the next leader on that pitch? Evans can't get all 10 of them in shape at that moment. Like we need someone further forward who has that mentality alongside Evans and can get those guys focused. And it just didn't seem we had that. And that brings me on to the more extended point of like the vice captain is such a big role here. Like we know Evans isn't going to play every single game this season. His foot at some point he's, he's 35 now. He's, he's going to have to have time times off. It's like, we need to start finding these leaders in the dressing room and start allowing them to be leaders on the pitch. Because I feel like both of those situations, those two goals were that lack of leadership was a big component to it. Yeah. And I could be way off here. Maybe there were things that weren't shown on the broadcast, things that you know you would notice if you were at the stadium, but matters was getting chopped down all game. And he was he had to be in the referee's ear the whole game, but you just weren't seeing that from anyone else or anyone having his back. We weren't seeing it from the dugout. Like the manager wasn't really doing that, and the captain wasn't really getting in the referee's face either. And you know, those those leaders and you know, those great managers and great captains that are on the pitch, they make sure that that referee hears their voice and their in in and uh you know, that's in the back of a referee's mind before every time he picks up a whistle. He's thinking about, you know, here, here, you know, I'm going to hear about this one if I don't call it or whatever. And, you know, it finally, you know, managers gifted a few calls like later, later in the game. But I mean, he really just had to plead his case to the referee the whole entire game. And, you know, you've got to protect your, your, your star players. And um, especially a guy like Madison, who's not one of the biggest guys, who draws a ton of fouls all game long. Someone needs to be out there and, like, someone needs to have his back. And, you know, if he's going to get cut down like that all the time, then you've got to do it to someone else. Uh, do it to them. Uh, you know, um, so, yeah, that's just um, – that doesn't that, – that, that bite just uh, isn't there right now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And we needed somebody to go after and give, you know, Odegaard a chop or give Jesus, you know, a nice little elbow in the back. It's, like, they, they, you've got to react like that. It's got to be, you know, a pound for a pound. Yeah. We, I mean, listen, I'm not trying to act like I know better than than the manager. Obviously, I'm, I'm here sitting in, you know, on, on podcasts and he's, he's, you know, sitting in his in his mansion or, you know, working, you know, burning the midnight oil, that beautiful Seagrave training center. But the it seems like 
the goal in a lot of these games is to kind of win the style war and not necessarily to win the game. It's to play football a certain way and not necessarily to get the results. And sometimes you have to win dirty or you've got to do it the ugly way. And I think fans appreciate that. I think that's why sometimes there's a bit of a disconnect, I think, between the fans and between management right now, because fans want to see that. Um, I don't mind how they do it if it's a little ugly or if it's a little dirty, but it's it's still a lot of fun to to support and to to get behind. And so there's also on top of that this focus on tactical flexibility and this side that wants to be like you know all things in all formations and to play everything and you just can't do that um we've had this same squad now for well over a year right there haven't really been any changes to the squad the players know each other he knows the players we've had haven't been able to put our best 11 out so you sometimes you can do you can go to, to approach it two ways you can keep chopping and chopping up the side and changing formations and playing this system versus that system or you could just make sure that like you get one system down pat like i said earlier that everyone can play in their sleep you don't need to worry about where their teammates are that's why these teams like you know obviously they're a lot deeper right so they have more more guys that they can slot in but that's why you see the liverpools and the man cities go out there and dominate so everyone that goes out there knows their role, knows how to play their way. And we are not really playing football, you know, our way. And we're, um, there's that, and that leads to this indecisiveness, I think, that, that we're seeing. And this kind of just players looking uncomfortable both on the ball and off the ball. And um, I think it might be time to kind of just go back to basics here and simplify the game for the players well we saw it kind of i mean chris wasn't i think you yelled him drunkenly yelled in my ear at some point four four two i think it was that you that did that they did it they did he heard you because we did switch they did switch to four four two they literally and and sure enough there it went and it's to to, to your point about simplification of football but um you know i love your point about the doing the hard work i mean this is the club of jamie vardy you know, this is Lester. This is a working class town. This, you know, the, the hard work uh, is is an identity, is a is is a source of pride um, that I've always taken in Lester players. And you know, whether it you go back and you look at at what this club has done, it's never been about you know the 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 beautiful, clean, you know, I don't know, Barca-esque football. It's been the hardworking guys that have got the work done. It's been the counterattacking football that we sing about, for God's sakes. Like, it's such a great point, Jason. I think, like, to just put your head down and get it done, dude. Yeah, just play play football, man. Go out there and play football again. Right? Like, yeah. um, <laughs> just, just. Go back to basics. I mean, like, you can't expect every player to have an encyclopedic knowledge of of the game and every setup. It's just not feasible. So, what can you do with what you have? Yeah, you they go a, out there and, and yeah, you, you get a player. 
Right. You get a player like James Madison to add into that hardworking identity. James is one of those players that has the ability to make insane passes and be that play that beautiful game. So you find ways to integrate that into your game, Chris. And, and I mean, to his point, dude, like it's 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 just about finding what's got to work. And I, I, when it does, hopefully we get to start to see the other sides of these results. Well, 100 percent. But it's also on the flip side as well. It's finding what doesn't work and not repeating the same experiments, the same things again and again and again. Look, I Tillman's has been an absolute servant for this club and will go down in history as one of top 20 best players we've ever had play for Leicester City. But it's obvious, in my opinion, at this moment in time, that he isn't the sort of player. I would be. I think we can look there at other in other setups and things like that. I don't think we just need to keep doing the same thing every single time to you guys' point if it's obvious it doesn't work. And I'm it it does get frustrating. I think you guys summed it up really nicely about that. I, I do appreciate the working the working mentality, but I do think back to then like early two thousands Leicester City where it was bump it to Jamie Scowcroft on the wing, who there was then like <laughs> one headed pass towards Brian Dean and then it was a knockdown to Dick off to pull it in the corner. Yes, right. And I think I think this Leicester football is a little bit better than that and I want that. And uh, but yeah, I think you guys make that really great points on the sense of like keep it simple and do the thing do do the small things right and then we're not going to get in situations where we throw two points away against Brentford. We Yeah we, well Yes, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I was going to just give a shout out to, to Brian Dean. He, he had a really just oh that post, and dude. classy tweet about that goal from 20 years ago and how important that was. And it's really, I think we always need to remember um, how close we were to losing this club um, that we love so much. So, um, and they were they were great, classic, you know, big man, little man pairing. Like you said, knock it down, dick off, but he scored those big goals and and that dressing room and, and, and the club have really, you know, as much as he's a big, you know, Sheffield United guy, and you could see that Leicester does have a really special place in his heart. And that team certainly does as well. And I just thought that was so beautiful. Oh, dude, when I saw that, I was getting goosebumps and then seeing the replies to it, uh, just from, you know, the, his former teammate, that was just, there were some incredible, that thread just turned into just a memory book. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was really cool thing to see. So yeah, yeah. If uh, if anyone hasn't read it, I would go uh, go look him up on on Twitter. And uh, it was it was really really good read. Um, it is maddening though, Chris. I think you like were saying it earlier, and I could see that frustration. Like, why are we still asking the same questions this deep into the project? Now I get it, right? We haven't been able to strengthen the squad, but. Um, you have the guy, you have these players, you know what works for them, you know what doesn't work. So we're still asking questions that we know the answer to. And at, at some point, you know, we've got to 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 get a little more out of uh, out of what we have and kind of change this mentality now where um the the there's just a lot of doubt around everyone and confidence doesn't seem to be high and during preseason we were playing mostly four at the back right and and the players were buzzing and they're really going for it and then just to switch it up like this you know going into to brentford who you know bless them you know they play their they play football you know on an excel spreadsheet 
um, but they it's it's kind of soulless, but they all know what to do, and they're just out there trying to maximize their XG or whatever they're, whatever they're trying to do, right? But they know their role, and how this Arsenal team is pretty pretty formidable. So maybe it's going to take a few more weeks if we're going to insist on uh, on the system. But I think going into the season, we shouldn't be one injury away from a total collapse of uh, the approach. 100% agree. And I think that's my frustration is that so we're basically were saying in the preseason that our entire philosophy of football for 2022-2023 was solely built around Ricardo Pereira. And that was the philosophy that we had. And if if he was or to get Harvey injured, Barnes too, and Barnes, yeah, uh, Barnes to it. But I think, yeah, I, I think that's Barnes been the big well. one because he he he's been that hasn't wanted to play the setup because he doesn't feel like he's got the wingers right okay. to play in Barnes. So so you think that we may revert back to more of a four at the back potentially once Barnes gets back, or do you think we're is stuck with since, since the Pereira injury, we're going to be stuck with this? No, I, I think this is more due to the Barnes injury than the Pereira injury because we do have the fullbacks, right? And we have the guys that can play the wing back. We have a little bit of depth there. I think, um, yeah, it, it just it doesn't matter. Like, you, you can't, it, like you said, like, we can't just completely blow it up because of one injury. Just get out there and play. Like, play, you know, I'd rather have a player like, in a spot where he might be, you know, 85% as good um, versus, you know, playing in his preferred position. If the other 10 players out there are playing in their preferred positions and, and comfortable in the setup, then switching to something where nobody is at 100% across the pitch. And... It's just you can just see it everywhere. Yeah, it's 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 definitely it, the change. It went to more simplistic style, but everyone's just kind of like, "Well, fuck. all right, here we go." Um, I I also think, guys, it's it's noteworthy to say. Um, I don't know if you you got to read this guy's sports article this this week that came out about the club and the reasons, basically putting a reason on why we didn't see any movement and the fact that. You know, the owners are trying to make us a big seven, you know, make it a big seven club. And the only way that we can do that, thanks to financial fair play, is to invest some of this money that would have been spent on players um, and signings in the actual infrastructure of our club into the new arena project, into the, you know, hotels outside of the stadium, Seagrave, um, you know, you, the 80 million would have been one hell of a player or a couple really nice damn players. But, you know, we now instead have the nicest training facility in the world that attracts the world-class talent to come play for this club. So patience is, uh, is going to be needed, I think, in a lot of ways here. Yeah, and listen, let's make no bones about it. Financial fair play is designed to keep clubs like Leicester in their place. Bingo. It's it's um, it's not the to make sure these clubs are like are run sustainably. Yeah, they don't, it's they, the, don't want, they don't want Leicester as a Champions League quarter finalist again. Like they've they've had that. They the Premier League don't want us to win it. That they 
UEFA don't want Leicester City as a Champions League quarter finalist. It's, I mean, you dude, don't happen, don't don't be afraid to say the dirty word that they would love us all to forget the Super League or whatever the fuck they were going to call it, where they literally in the meeting in the leaked transcripts they said we never want a Leicester again. You know, like it, it, don't forget what these clubs are at the core. They are dirty, dirty bastards that are trying to keep us down. So, um. Unfortunately, though, if we are going to have to play by this book, it's going to be a long-term play. You know, it took us this long to get to a point where we are competitive in year in and year out in the Prem, and now to get to that next level, uh, it's going to take a lot, right? It, it's 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 crazy though because I 100% trust the club and 100% trust the mission of the club, and I trust uh, I trust the the management, I trust the executive team, I I trust the fact that they're going to take us, and I truly believe they'll take us to that place. It's just weird on the complete flip side that I have zero trust in the manager at this moment in time, and whatever, and the eleven that he picks, it's just it's one of those counterbalances at the minute where the scales are just completely off. At this it, it, yeah, it's frustrating, and you would think that if you just look at the results. Right, the overall results for the last few seasons, Rogers really should have built up a lot of goodwill and and positive capital with, with so the fan true. base. And there is a disconnect there, and there's an unwillingness to kind of engage or see things at the um, as the supporters see them, um, and there is an unwillingness to create a siege mentality around the club. Uh, around the players i mean i think that you know instead of moaning about oh we've got to you know we don't have the players that we want and we can't we can't improve the squad like go out there and take a shot at 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 uefa and 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 the fa and say you know like these rules are bullshit you know like they they we're we can't do what we want to do and we we would be able to do it sustainably but we can't um and you know make someone the bad guy make someone outside the club the bad guy and and that's a great way to kind of rally the team rally the fan base and really just kind of get everyone on the same page again and i just um we're really missing that and um just have we haven't had anything like that in, in, in a while Fans try. You'll hear Brendan Rodgers' blue white army, but you don't hear it as much as you 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 should. And um, just really would like that aspect to to change there because there's a lot, man. You can do so much with the right motivation, and you know there's no reason why the stadium like shouldn't be rocking and literally shaking again. And um, it's there, right? That energy is there. That fire is there. That motivation. And then, you know, like we said it before the season, man. We were we're all pretty positive, man. There's enough damn talent on this side. Like there are some fucking great players. Sorry, you even know, with Ricardo, even with even without Ricardo. I mean, there's still talent on this side. So, like, go out there and like tell these guys, like, go out there, go balls to the wall here. You've got a World Cup squad. To uh, spot to play for right now and 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 then you know give a you know stick the two fingers up 
to you know to the league to UEFA to the Chelsea's that are coming in there and trying to kind of disrupt the squad and you know with their bids make other people the bad guy already and and really you know let's get let's get everyone freaking riled up already like in a world and on a day that the entire world saw two managers almost come to blows on a damn pitch in front of the world like on like there's two there's two managers that give shit and there's no doubt about it like that that's the kind of fight that we and in a million years can you ever see brendan rogers doing that i mean what we saw today and yeah i mean (laughs) i think we don't want to see it things necessarily go to that point but i think you do make a really good point that like these guys are fired up and that's why their players go to war for them that's why Tuchel and and Conte win trophies all the time. It it it's strange to me that how we how he fails to see that disconnect. I mean, this is it's this is twenty three years to the day I went to my first Leicester game against Chelsea, the two a uh, two all draw, and to look and see where the fan base has come since then. And I truly believe that the Leicester City fan base has probably never been bigger than it is at this moment. And I don't think it's ever been as passionate as it has been at this moment in time. And for Rogers not to realize this, I just, it frustrates me. It really does. Because to your guys' point, he could have every single one of us on his side going to war for him. If he just came out and said the right things. And like you guys said, adopt that us against the world mentality at times, because that's what made us so great. Back in 2015, 2016, it made us so great. The Champions League season was it. It was us against everybody else. And everybody else would say that we've got no chance. Everybody else would say we're going to go lose at City. We're going to lose at Liverpool. And you know what? We didn't. Well, we didn't. But to that, it just come out here and just get, just embrace us, Brendan. If you can do that, I think we could... (laughs) I really do think we could go. Brendan, go, you've go got you've got ten people in San Diego, California, getting up at five thirty in the morning to go to the damn bar to watch this club. Please don't make some stupid bitch excuses for <laughs> why we're not able to figure this stuff out. Please, God, um, God. Okay, moving on, guys. Should we? Any other points that we want to make on where we are right now with Brendan? That got deep, guys. That got yeah, really deep. deep. Well. <laughs> I mean, I think this has been like pent up. I mean, there's been enough good things. The FA Cup was beautiful, man. That 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 um, are the Leicester end at Wembley. Like you could see how much more it meant. You couldn't hear a damn thing from the Chelsea fans. All you heard was Leicester. At our bar, we you know we had a really good showing, but it's a Chelsea bar, and there was way more of that of them than us. Uh, as many, you know, I mean, you saw the, the photos. Right? We had a pretty big turnout here in, in New York, like, and we didn't stop the whole game. We were just constantly singing, chanting, just like making noise, getting out, living and dying by like by you know every every kick of the ball and 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 every you know hairline um, offside call there as well. So it's. We, we've had some great moments. I mean, we kind of stumbled into the Conference League, right? Maybe we shouldn't have even been knocked out of the, the Europa League. But then we were able to get to a, a European semifinal. We're so close. You know, it's there. Even with a decimated squad, it just needs that extra little bit. And that doesn't necessarily have to come in the form 
of a new signing. There's a reason why clubs put up, you know, twelfth man banners and all that stuff because you know your your fan base can be that. Really could just need to see a little bit of passion for that matter. Um, let's wrap it up there, guys, and talk about. Let's look ahead. Um, obviously, Southampton is up next next Saturday. It's going to be. I, <laughs> this always bites me in the. Ass. I mean, I don't even want to say, it, but it would be nice to have a you know a break of a game or a game that on paper should be a break of a game for us. But as surely as I say that, I remember we're last year, so I'm I'm not wanting to say that, Chris. Uh, your thoughts heading into uh, the Saints. Um, so they what they were down 2 0 this weekend, came back, I think, and pulled it back to two all against Leeds. Um, we know what you're gonna get with Southampton. You they are they're organized. Um I think we've I I think you've got obviously Ward Prowse who's gonna if we don't keep him monitored, keep him in check. I think Ndidi is gonna have a big role in this week. Mm-hmm. I think I've been a bit disappointed, if I'm being totally honest, his first two games with him. He seemed he hasn't had that. Normally, when you watch Wilf, I always get that, oh, Wilf's everywhere. He's buzzing around. He's making tackles. He's doing that sort of stuff. I haven't picked that up watching these first two games. So, hopefully, they'll go into the Southampton game. But, Matt, I we I think nothing this early in the season is a must-win. But at the same time, I think there's a little bit more pressure on this game and on Rodgers to get three points. Just based on what we did at Brentford and then uh, last yesterday. But, um yeah, I think it, no game, like you said, no game in the Premier League is easy, but no game being a Leicester City fan is easy, easy either. Yeah, I, I think the reason why you maybe we maybe haven't seen Wilf play at his best is because he's playing in front of a back three and essentially with like four central midfielders, you know, in, in this formation. And there's just not as much room for him to kind of show off that as, as athleticism and to let that kind of carry his play over like pinpoint positioning and he doesn't have that freedom to go out and make the defensive plays the way he does uh, when he's playing his best because it's it's just clogged up and um and sometimes he needs to drop back into the back four when the fullbacks are pushing up or when Fafana goes on a you know on, on a uh you know goes on a sortie mission um and he's just kind of in between and kind of it looks like we're playing uh, a handcuffed version of of wilf out there so maybe we hope i'm hoping we go back to the to the back four and we get to see the wilford indeed that, that we know and love so much god that when when he is on guys number 25 is a god dang monster out there and yeah to, to to have him back out there and get this formation figured out would be such a difference maker for us just to have that security blanket um because yeah right now man he's lost like it, he's having to do too much he's just we're asking way too much of him and and need to get him back on on his on where he thrives yeah i agree um i uh anything else? i mean they got their ass beat by tottenham four to one Tottenham, I don't know what to think about them this year. I watched, you know, the Chelsea match this morning. So I I think that uh this should be one that we should get figured out. Um points are so desperate right now, Chris. And like what you were saying about the performances thus far, but dude, look ahead. We we got some matches ahead. Like it, I don't want to be in this situation where we're ruining the missed three points at Brentford because we lost to Arsenal. Um when when there's points to be had, we gotta get them because it's not very pretty coming forward. 
Yeah, I mean, Chelsea, both, well, on paper, but I mean, judging from these United performances, I think if we've got it bad as a fan base at the moment, those guys are in very true. complete free fall. But yeah, I mean, Long Chelsea's coming. Yeah, it's very true. Here, here. Uh, Chelsea coming up as well. Um, you're right, Matt. We've got a few games. It was one of those, looking at the fixture list, you knew it was going to be a tough start for us. Um, so I think, yeah, these perform these games against Southampton, kind of in between these big six games, are vital not only to keep get to get points, but at the same time to set the tone for those next games. I, when you go against the big six, you want to have you want to feel like you've got some sort of momentum building. You feel like you've put a couple of good performances in. It's all about that story going into the game, and if you have those disappointing games prior to them, then it just kind of has that less of that positive mentality i think going in at some time so i it's a, i think it's a big game on saturday for all for for a lot of reasons jason yeah yeah every game is going to be a big game until we get the first three points on the board <laughs> yeah dude so this and, is, well you know, the fact I'm... of the matter dude like look at this this is week two and forest are above us in the goddamn table like the one thing that i did not thanks a lot west ham by the way you had one job <laughs> Uh, Matt, that, if you watch that game, Matt, they Forest were blooming up. They got they West Ham did everything but hit the back of the net in that game. Uh, they hit I mean, three times they hit the post. Was that it? Or... I think it was three times. Goal disallowed, two, two goals disallowed. I think it was as well. And penalty save. I mean, <laughs> I just I wanted to yeah. see the tears on their first day back in the prem at City Ground, like and just. <sighs> So Even anyway, Derby that year when they went down with the lowest points record, got a win. So I mean, yeah. it's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you, this is a Southampton side. You actually, you never know what you're gonna get out of them. I think like they could get played off the pitch like they did against Spurs, or like they get fired up, or you know, Hassan Hassan does have his you know nine nil thrashing that you know is still yet to happen so maybe maybe we could uh get lucky again there so uh, i think it's gonna be a tough one i i i'm not I, I don't think i can go into any game right now and say like oh we're definitely gonna go to win this one um so maybe maybe a draw i'll say and then hopefully be uh pleasantly surprised if we do get out uh, three points yeah, to your point about you know looking at that schedule, we also looked at the schedule and thought we'd get three points at Brentford uh, to start the season in. So pressure's on. Pressure is on. It's going to be probably hot again, I would assume. Um, and as that's how it is, and it's just going to be a repeat. But man, what a match that we need to get some points going, just to get some momentum, settle the boys down, settle the dressing room down. If you know, play for each other. If nothing else, just play for the guy across the room from you. And I think that's the spirit that's missing right now from some of the boys. And I don't know, it'll be another freaking week of transfer rumors and, uh, you know, Fafana's dumbass agent speaking in his ear about 200,000 a week. And it's with all of that going on, I'm, I'm going to be so happy for September 1st. My birthday is September 4th, but I think I'm going to celebrate harder on September 1st, depending on what we end up doing and what we end up receiving um, because God, I'm so sick of, you know, the, the upendedness of it all. Yeah. Just let's, let's football, you know, is meant to be played on the pitch, not on Twitter feeds. So uh, yeah. 
just I Boom. just look forward to the weekend so we should watch them play. Absolutely. So yeah, it's the twenty eighth, guys. It's Saturday, seven a.m. Pacific, ten a.m. Eastern. Um, get to the bars. Um, and the U.S. Foxes World, guys. We got to give some shout outs to the boys and girls of the DMV Foxes. Holy cow, you guys! It was so good to pull up the Twitter and see the, at DMV Foxes. I think is their Twitter handle. But to see they had a great turnout. Where was that in Virginia that they got? Where, where they met out? I'm not sure exactly where they met. It's the Delaware. Uh, Maryland, uh, Virginia Foxes. They had their first ever meetup. So big shout out to those guys. I, that's there's nothing better for us to like see you guys to see you know more of the gospel of the foxes being spread and you guys getting together. So shout out to you guys. We uh, it's, it's amazing. So keep using that hashtag US Foxes for your meetups, guys. And we'll see. We're gonna have some giveaways this year for when you when you guys can post those pictures. We use that hashtag. We're gonna have some giveaways for stickers and and hats and t-shirts whatever we have um to send your guys way so how cool is that to see jason dmv fox love it man that's that's the reason why we're doing this here right you know we're trying we want folks to spread that lester gospel and um you know we we want to help promote you know supporters clubs that are that are forming throughout the um throughout the country i mean it's something that we really try to make a point of uh, at, at New York Foxes when folks do talk to us about, you know, what's the best way to go about this? How should we do this? Um, you know, we, we were always, you know, I mean, our way isn't always the right way, but we, we always have, you know, suggestions and we want to promote it and, and, and get the word out for, for everyone. Um, and there's the, you know, US Foxes podcast crew, you guys are, you know, we're all doing the same. We, I think, you know, we want to see this uh we're a big enough club now chris as you said the support supporters base has never been bigger every club that's worth a damn you know has a group in in every city so you know we should as well absolutely i think we saw the formation this week the philly foxes i think they had to meet up as well yeah uh, well done down there badass new logo like oh my god you guys it literally puts a smile on old timers like us our faces you can see it as like our faces. literally like if you guys would have seen us back in the day exchanging text messages after goals or just that's how we used to communicate and now we have these amazing groups forming it's just like everything that we've envisioned and seen and, and it's so so great to see chris I yeah mean, and shout out to the dmv foxes kind of the the kits that they were show- we had everything we had the pink kit we had some classics from the 90s some of the recent gear it was like it was like it, it was fantastic it was the who's who of uh of kits and speaking of kits matt any update from on the docker situation as the club oh i so to, to what chris is speaking of for those who are aware we uh got a docker kit delivered and a day later it changed his number to 20 um it's still radio silence for the club uh, <laughs> as far as exchanging exchanging that but uh yeah it'll be interesting to see i you know at the end of the day it's always a risk getting a kit early and uh, mm-hmm. as someone that's ordered a thousand kits in his life, I know that. Um, so it is what it is. It might just become uh, a, a nice little keepsake. You are a bold man to go get a kit with a name and number. Also, before the transfer window has, has closed, too. Yeah, I love I, this man's a gambler. Yeah, it could be. Uh, who knows what we'll do with that thing? It's a pretty sweet kit, man. But I thought you were going to ask me about the away kit, which is still under strict my embargo. Question, Matt, it's like, can we get strict an away embargo. kit? Update? We can't even talk about it, dude. Their spies are everywhere. 
we could have a dart into my neck at any moment. So <laughs> we'll just continue with the rest of the world and wait and wonder if we'll even have an away kit this year. We might just, who knows what the hell we'll end up doing. So um, on that one, guys, any other thing we want to touch on? It's been over an hour of taking these fine people's time. I think we've covered pretty much every base. Like we said, guys, Southampton this Saturday, it's a, a very important match. Um, keep in touch using uh, the Twitter and the Instagram, all the all the good things you guys like using uh, hashtag US Foxes. Shout us out how you're preparing, what your thoughts are going forward. Uh, plan on having some cool questions up this week on the poll and getting your interaction on those. Um, but until then, uh, Chris, for final words. Vol on Saturday. Can't wait, mate. I know it's a <laughs> can't wait. Jason, New York Foxes, you guys are going to be down at the normal spot, normal time, doing your thing with Jack and the boys? No, is the Pope Catholic? Do, let, do Foxes <laughs> wear blue? The answer is a big resounding yes. We will be at the football factory. So we get to sleep in a little bit. I've been looking at that 7 a.m. for you in the West Coast. That is rough, but uh, we have a 10 o'clock start in New York. So, so everyone come down and find us, and uh, let's watch the game together. We did have a... Um, a new member of New York Foxes join us. Um, so awesome. shout out to Jack. Um, so it was cool to have him down uh, with us. So, um, yeah, and I think we have some folks coming in from, from Leicester next weekend as well. So we should, we should have a pretty good crew for the game. Awesome. My uh, my wife brought a few of her friends this week. We threw some uh, a Wazalewski jersey on one of them and a West Morgan jersey on the other one. And we, you know, take care of their beer. Um, just show them the good time. And they're both hooked. They're currently picking out what jersey they want. They're asking me what player they should get. They're looking for the headshots of the players. They're trying to decide the jersey so that they can have their jersey for the Southampton match next week. We've got two more converts, and that's how it goes, guys. Just bring bring that cousin of yours that loves the NFL and thinks soccer's for losers. Bring him to a match, buy all his beer, let him hear the songs, let him watch the match, and you'll have a fox under him before you know it. I swear to God, that's the best way to do it. So, uh, Guys, on that, yeah, on that note, Thank you so much for joining us on the U.S. Foxes podcast. It means the world to have you here. We do it for you. We do it for this club. And uh, like we said, keep spreading the gospel. And we'll see you next time on the U.S. Foxes podcast. Peace.